This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, Amy Van Dyken Ruin, is an Olympian, a six Olympic gold medal Olympian. Four of her medals she won at the 1996 Summer Olympics, making her the first American female to accomplish such a feat and the most successful athlete named at the 1996 Summer Games. She won gold in the 50-meter freestyle, gold in the 100-meter butterfly, gold in the 400-meter freestyle relay, and gold in the 400-meter medley relay. I remember it like it was yesterday. I can just remember the excitement. A former competitive swimmer, world record holder, national radio sports talk show co-host, and celebrated wife, Amy was named Swimming World's American Swimmer of the Year in both 1995 and 96. When on June 6th in 2014, our superstar, Olympian, and America's sweetheart, Amy Van Dyken was injured in a serious ATV accident that severed her spinal cord at the T11 vertebrae, leaving her paralyzed from the waist down. The injury came within millimeters of impacting and potentially rupturing her aorta. Airlifted for emergency surgery to stabilize her spinal cord and vertebrae after two full months of rehabilitation, Amy Van Dyken left Craig Hospital in Inglewood, Colorado saying, I'm a better person than before the injury. Ready for her new life and so many unforeseen challenges to arrive. Amy Van Dyken Ruin, you are in my heart. <laughs> Let's get after this and you and your ongoing journey in this challenging but beautiful human experience that you show us how to live with so much grace. Welcome, my friend. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. This is so much fun. When I got the text, you going, girl, I want to have you on my podcast. I'm like, listen, whatever I'm doing, we're dropping it. The president may be coming for coffee. We'll push him back. (laughs) I'm so excited. 
Oh my God. I am so excited too. I mean, first of all, I just on a personal note, I haven't been able to see you in the flesh in a few years now. And it's just so heartwarming to see your beautiful face. Your hair is so long and gorgeous. Oh my God. It's so long. I love it. It's, I think it's a different color. I think it's a different length than when I saw you last. So yeah, you know, we got to kind of change with the times, right? Change with the times and you are doing it and you look amazing. So we've got to just kind of get into uh, into it all, you know, together. So to me personally, you are one of the most memorable Olympians there are. I mean, I, I just I don't know what I was doing in 1996 or where I was in my life exactly. But I remember you so poignantly from those games. I mean, to me, like you really you obviously you were the you know most celebrated Olympian in those summer games. Can we talk a little bit about the beginning? Because I I know personally that you struggled with asthma before you struggled with a lot of the other challenges that life has put your way. And is how you got into swimming to begin with. So you took or you had a team of people or a good support system around you and your own passion and perseverance to take um, adversity and use it to your advantage. And you took asthma and you said, hey, swimming's good for that. Let me get into this. So bring us back to, to your early life and your early career and how asthma and swimming, you know, kind of combined into bringing you into the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I was diagnosed with severe asthma and all three types of severe asthma when I was 18 months old. So it was kind of like my whole life, right? In and out of the hospital, having an inhaler tied around my neck because I always lost it. But it was just like normal life, right? But then all of a sudden you go to like big kids school and everyone's going out to recess and going on field trips. And like, I couldn't do that because of my asthma. So I remember I was, I mean, Heather, I can remember the day, like I came home and I just collapsed and I was crying. And my mom's like, what's wrong? Like it was the day that I realized I wasn't like everybody else. And at that time when I'm six years old, right? I'm like, yeah. I want to be like everyone else. Now we know it's good not to be like everybody else, but in the day. So yeah, I went to the doctor and the doctor was like, Hey, we hear water sports are great for asthmatics. So Heather, I signed up for everything, right? Like I wanted to be a swimmer. I was going to be a diver. I was going to be a synchronized swimmer, which now we call artistic swimming, right? Yes. Tried everything. And I failed at all of it. I'm afraid of heights. So diving didn't work. I can't point my toes. So the synchronized swimming didn't work, but like the actual competitive swimming was like my jam. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Cause like I say that and people assume like I was a wonder woman in the water and it took me six more years to finish 25 yards of the pool. I mean, that's not even half of an Olympic size pool, but I just loved it. Like, uh, it was it helping my asthma. Probably not. Cause I'm also allergic to chlorine. Oh my God. I didn't know that part. Right girl. Oh, it was, oh, it was fun. I mean, you talk about an inhaler at every single side of the pool so that little Amy could suck on that thing. It was amazing, but yeah, yeah, I did it. And I fell in love with it. And it wasn't because, you know, I was good or anything because I wasn't good until I was in high school. It's because I was with my people. Like for the first time, it was amazing. Just relative. And Jax doesn't have severe asthma, but you know, my little guy has, you know, struggled quite a bit with some challenges and asthma being one of them. His asthma is onset through activity and he loves sports and he loves to play sports, but he doesn't have a long, you know, he doesn't have longevity in them. So like he'd be an amazing sprinter, but he wouldn't be a good long distance runner. Exactly. 
Yeah. So we try to find things for Jack that he can excel at. No one ever said to me, which I appreciate whoever did say, hey, you know, water uh, is good for asthmatics. You know, I mean, I think some of the advice I got was like move to a different climate and that w- and, and or build a salt cave in your home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that what's beautiful is that, that long ago you had somebody trying to look at alternative ways to overcome this adversity. And so that's incredible. Right. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing when when people come into your life, right? And they can change it in just an instant. Yeah. Or say, hey, did you ever think about this? And, you know, now we have obviously the information superhighway in Google, and you can find pretty much any answer you want if you look hard enough. Sure. But there is a lot of information out there for us to, you know, challenge ourselves or to find a way to overcome something that maybe your medical doctor isn't talking to you about, like, I talk about nutrition to people and they're like, oh, I have high blood pressure, but my doctor never asked me what I eat. You know what I mean? They just wow. told me to stay. Yeah. So this is what happened. What's happening with the change of the times and where we have come even before the 96 Olympics, but you know, where we've come leaps and bounds after is really combining the idea of treating an illness to cure yeah. it. And also then combining prevention. How do we not get sick in the first place? Or how do we overcome the things that are in our way? How do we get there? And I want to talk a lot about that because it wasn't too long ago when we started to look at uh, people with physical challenges and look at the way the country was set up for them. You know what I mean? Really not too long ago at all, just over our shoulders. And there's been a lot of change in the world and a lot of focus on certain groups of people. And I'm going to talk about that with you because I know that you're going to have a lot to say about it, but (laughs) we're going to back up before still again, a little bit before the wheelchair. So you found your love of swimming. You found a way to uh, deal with, you know, tolerate the asthma and work through it and work through a chlorine allergy, which right? has been really uncomfortable. And did you, how'd you work through that, by the way? Did you swell into lumps and bumps or was it through your lungs, the allergy? Yeah, it was through my lungs, yeah. you know? So like I said, I always had an inhaler at the end of my lane. So I would always suck on it. And yeah. we would do like, as you know, peak flow meters, right? Yeah. Um, so if I was breathing well, I would just go swim. If I was in the yellow, we would warm up, retest. And I would usually be in the green, but if not, then I would take it easy. And if I was in the red, I went home and watched Oprah. Like it was fine. Wow. Amazing. That's so interesting. So it it was a way to work with the asthma. So you, you had to work through it. Do you still suffer? Have you been able to, I mean, once you have it, you kind of have it, but from now, from just for asthma sufferers out there from way back in the day to today, can you just share some of the things that maybe you do to help, you know, support the asthma and the fact that you have to deal with it? Yeah. I actually listened to my doctors, Heather. I know it's shocking, right? But like when you're a kid, the doctors give you all this medicine and it makes you feel jittery and jumpy and all the things. And then all of a sudden you start to feel better and you're like, Oh, I'm cured. I don't need it anymore. So you go off your meds and you're okay for a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're back in the hospital. So at some point I finally decided I'm going to start listening to my doctors. Like I'm paying them enough, right? Like we should maybe listen to them. And I actually take my medicine like I'm supposed to. And I exercise like I'm supposed to. And I eat right with just what you were saying, like you're supposed to do. So I don't know, man, don't listen to the Googles. It's good for some things, but listen to your doctor, like do what they say. 
you know, even though you feel good, it doesn't mean you're cured. So take care. Of yourself. I love that. I thank you for saying that because, you know, medicine is important. Science and medicine have brought us a very long way. And we have a lot of people turning their backs on that sort of thing today. And so it's a sure. good reminder that, you know, find the doctor that fits. You know, that not it's not a one size fits all situation. Find right. one that that spends time with you, that pays attention to you, that makes you feel like you're the only person in the world when you're sitting in their office with them. Yep. And they talk through and work through these things. They're out there. Go get them. I yes, love that. Please. Okay. Please. <laughs> okay. So, you know, from gold medalist to retirement to accident. You know, there's some things to talk about along the way. So let's let's talk about the celebration of those Olympics. Can you bring because we just came through the Olympics and I know you were there, you know, working with NBC, doing what you do all so well. Let's talk a little bit about the Olympics, then what your experience was, the Olympics today, what you see as challenges. I love our Olympians. Right. And I'm so excited. And as you may know, Paralympics are going on right now and it's so exciting. We are killing it. It is amazing amazing to watch these athletes. So listen, if you're having a bad day, turn on the Paralympics. You, it'll change your world. It really will. But for me, the Olympics, you know, I went in there and there's a picture of me and I'm, I'm, I'm going to post it on Instagram at some point stretching. And that was the only picture that anyone took before the games. No one cared about me, nothing. So then all of a sudden things start happening. Good for me. The entire crowd in Atlanta, Georgia, my final race, had signs like forever gold, Amy, go Amy. And I'm like, this is nuts. It got to the point where, you know, I had gone into the Olympics. Some people knew who I was, but not a lot of people. And I left the Olympics needing 24 hour security. I got home on the airplane. They threw me into a limo, my family into a bus. They shut down the highway, helicopters above. You're like, what? is happening right then i go to new york because that's what you do right you got to go do the shows girl so i'm there and times square has my milk ad like just cute i'm like what is happening right now this is nuts so it completely changes things but i didn't really realize i guess how big the olympics were uh, because they keep us really sheltered Mm -hmm. i knew that it was a big deal until i was working for fox sports we went to london in 2012 And we were with Sky Sports because, you know, they're sister companies. And our studio overlooked the entrance and exit of the Olympics. And I sat there one day, jaw dropped, seeing all the people coming in and all the people coming out. And I looked to my producer and I said, this is a big deal. Like that was the moment that I realized that the Olympics are huge. Not that I didn't know that, but I just... I was so insulated. So I knew it changed my life, but I wasn't really sure like the magnitude of it. And I literally started crying there. The Olympics now are so much bigger than they were back in the day. We've got to thank, you know, all the amazing athletes that have come after us um, and just made it what it is. And it is just spectacular. And it is so fun to watch these athletes Put everyone says, you know, four years of work, Heather, you know, as well as I do, it is a lifetime of work. I mean, it's when you see someone up there who's 32 years old, standing on a starting block, knowing that they started when they're three, like this is huge. And I think Americans were now understanding that it's not four years. It is so cool. And Heather, I am so proud to have been a part of that whole deal. Like 
Dude, it rocks. It truly does. <laughs> you go into the Olympics hoping to win, but you don't know if you're going to win. And it, it's a very different story for the guy who doesn't medal at all, even versus the third, the, you know, the third place medal versus a gold medalist. I mean, it really is. The confetti pour is kind of in one place. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. the highlight is really on the best of the best of the best. And, you know, isn't that kind of a shame? Maybe we should maybe we should do a story on all the bronze athletes. You know what? That would be amazing. Because I remember this year, we had a really hard time. We were watching, you know, because I did the morning swims. So we would watch the, the night swims and it was a different crew. And we heard Michelle, Michelle Tafoya, God love her. No, no offense to her, but she said to someone, oh, how disappointing. You lost the gold. No, you won a silver medal. Yeah. Exactly. What is happening? Like, it's right. Not only that, you you were in the finals of an Olympic race. Like, what? So it's let's be excited little... and celebrate people, man. <laughs> yes, it's those tiny microaggressions that we make all over the world. And obviously, we're very focused on them with, you know, LGBTQ plus and, you know, um, you know, black and brown Americans and all that stuff. But we forget that every day we make them to people that make them feel a little bit lesser than like I just ran into someone. My daughter was standing with me and I get it. This happens to me all the time, but it really bothered her because she had never heard anyone say it to me you're so much prettier in person than on television. You know, now that sounds like a compliment, but to my daughter, I mean, her nose crinkled up and she was like, mm? so the awareness of today's youth. Yeah. You know what I mean? With yeah. rhetoric and words and how we use it. And, you know, we're, and obviously when we're in the moment and you're excited, so we also, you know, also have tolerance for, sure. you know, each yes. other to make those mistakes, but you're right. I think that, looking at it, we see the gold and we start to, you know, kind of only in the moment on the podium for that second. Yeah. The gold, silver and bronze have some sort of equal meaning. Correct. And then, then it's over. And then yeah. it's all about the gold. Go for exactly. gold. Exactly. Exactly. And it's Amazing. just, you know, it bums me out a little bit. So I'm glad that you're going to do all the bronze medalists. Good for I you. I think Mark. that's a good idea. I think that's something I would like to do because the other thing is the Paralympics, which I want to talk about, you know, as just another segue, because I did want to talk about that. My son, Jack said to me just yesterday, having no idea that you were coming on the podcast today, he said, mom, why doesn't anybody watch the Paralympics compared to the Olympics? Right. And it Love took him. me a second to, I had to sit down and answer that question with him. You know what I mean? And it, it's a sad answer. It's not a good answer. Nope. I wish I had the right answer. And every, I don't have to say it for the listeners. Everyone knows why. Yeah. And I think, and I said to him, what's most incredible is that you look at someone doing it with all of their, you know, all of their opportunities, all of their assets, you know, working for them. And then we don't watch someone who is doing that same thing with not all of their assets working for them. Like, what is right. it with the human psyche? You know what I mean? That we don't want to see. So after the Olympics and after all of that amazing attention was showered on you, you retired and turned to a career in entertainment and doing sports casting and things like that. And then you also, obviously you got married and you're in love and life is good and we're going to get to the accident. So, because let's talk about the middle and then, you know, life from the accident on. Yep. Perfect. So yeah, after the games, you know, got married to um, my husband. He played for the Denver Broncos. He's just amazing, right? He's, just, he's He is perfection. Anyway, don't let him hear that. 
you know, you know, we get married and I get bored, right? As we do. So I did a celebrity sports casting thing in Denver, got hired on the spot to do the winter Olympics in Salt Lake city. And that parlayed into um, a career. I was doing sideline reporting for NFL on Fox. You'll love this story. And I'm out there and my husband was playing for the Seahawks. I was covering the Seahawks. Well, I guess all the guys went into the locker room before the game and they were like, did you see the new sideline reporter? Like, you know, blah, da, 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 da. Tom goes, my husband, he goes, yeah, I'll bet each of you a hundred bucks. I'm going to take her home tonight. Oh, ruin. No way. Da, 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 da. So the game's over and Tom never wants to do the dinner afterwards. We do our dinner together and then we go out with the guys. I'm like, oh, great. Let's go. We show up all the guys. No way, Tom. And Tom goes, I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Amy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> It was awesome. And then that parlayed into, you know, um, a sports radio job with Fox Sports Radio. And at the time, I was the only female Female, voice on Fox Sports Radio. There was was so few. Yes. I mean, Fox only had you, but other networks also had maybe one or two at the time women doing sports. Correct. And they had them more as like the novelty, right? Not as like, I know what I'm talking about. I am an expert in this field. No, I have not played football, but I can tell you what I'm seeing. So it was amazing. And, you know, that's what I was doing when I got hurt. We were, uh, you know, nationally syndicated. I was with Rob Dibble, who is still one of my dearest friends. And, um, you know, sadly, someone had to go on vacation and get hurt. And it ended all of it. (laughs) And then it ended all of it and things took a turn and your life changed drastically in a minute. And it's easy for someone to maybe imagine after the accident, after you were stabilized, two full months of rehab without seeing the outside of this hospital. And now you come home with this new lease readied, right? Like, okay. So people can kind of vision that, but let's talk about what it really felt like and what it really looked like, because I I happen to know personally, and you'll get into this, that what you felt that day that you left the hospital with all of that passion and all of that drive to do better, be better turned into more and more challenges down the road that you didn't expect. And you've had to overcome quite a bit painful over, you know, just not overcoming it from a mental, but from a physical standpoint. So, so take us there because we have to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the thriving drive that you have and you've had to dig deep to find to get through something like this, because that's really where the messages are for the listeners. Yeah. So, you know, I left the hospital, like you said, Heather, I was ready to go, right? The hospital is made for my people and we've got wide doors and there's no carpet and there's no curbs. And then you get out into the real world and you realize that you are now living in a world that is not made for you. Yeah. And really no one cares. They claim to care, but no one really cares. And it's really hard. And I always tell people when they get out of the hospital that first year, just hang in there. Just learn everything you can learn about yourself. Make sure you do cry. Make sure you do scream because it is awful. That first year, if we can make it through that first year, we can make it through anything, right? Because that's when the pain kicks up. That's when, um, you know, the depression can kick in. Mm -hmm. That is when everyone looks at you and says, you're so inspirational. And you're like, well, So I'm inspirational because I'm living in a world that wasn't made for me. And you see that. And how about we just make a change? So it kind of sparked this whole new thing in my world, right? I was like, listen, the ADA laws were formed in 1991. The last time the ADA laws were changed 
was in 1991. There are things that need to change. Our world has changed. We have progressed. We know a lot more things. And so that's what I do now. I fight for my people because we have to, you know, we have to fight for each other. Like we were talking about with the housewives, right? Like come together as one. And so if, if my disabled community can come together as one and we can just get everyone to understand that we don't want to be treated special. I don't want special treatment. I just want to be treated like a human being. And when I walk my dog down the street and I still say walk the dog because he's walking, right? When I walk the dog down the street, I don't want looks of pity. I don't want people when I say hi, looking over me and looking away, you know, I I don't want that. I'm a human. Just treat me like a human. So I have wheels. I'm fast down a hill. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I can do a wheelie. It's cool. <laughs> and you can still kick most people's asses in that wheelchair too with the competitive sports. <laughs> things that you do the CrossFit competition. Right, right. You can probably kick a couple able-bodied, every, every, every limb is working type of person out there. That's right. And let's talk about people looking over your head and let's talk about some of the issues in the Americans with Disabilities Act and you know what we're talking about. As a health coach, I recognize that when it comes to healthy eating, Taking that first step can be the most important step you take. It's why I created Beyond Fresh whole food, plant-based superfood powders, chews, and supplements we source through organic farmers from around the world. And we make it right here at home with the very best developers to create delicious formulations to help you start feeling your best. Get your gut health in check with our mouth-watering apple cider vinegar, a delicious drink you can look forward to that supports a balanced gut flora. Or take your candy the way Mother Nature intended and try our soft and delicious fruit and veggie chews. They'll tackle any sweet tooth and are packed with 12 organic fruits and vegetables, probiotics, fiber, and a powerful dose of antioxidants in each satisfying chew. Today's the perfect time to plan your fresh start with Beyond Fresh. It's simple, delicious, and affordable. Go to beyondfresh.com and sign up for my mailing list and get started today. You can type in the code HEART in all caps at checkout to receive 20% off your total order. That's beyondfresh.com and use the code HEART in all caps at checkout for 20% off your order. And don't forget to sign up for my mailing list to receive my newsletters and advance notice on my retreats, tips, and offers. We're here for you. Now back to my show. Walking your dog in your wheelchair with your dog down the sidewalk should be uh, a a human right. It should be something that is equal. But what if the sidewalk isn't made for a wheelchair and you can't get up and down it or it's very, you know, holy and full of cracks and there's grass growing up all in it. Now that just changed your walk a whole lot. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, I'm a human being, help make this world accessible to me as a human being. That is my human right. Correct. And there's, there's a guy who um, is amazing on Instagram. His name is Carson and I follow him. He talks about everyone needs something to make their life accessible. Yeah. Able-bodied people need cars, escalators, elevators, but so do we. So it's not just disabled people that need things for accessibility, right? Everybody does. Everybody does. And here's what really ticks me off. You know, I live in downtown Denver. So when you talk about all the cracks and all that, you get it, right? Because you live in New York City. It's the same Mm -hmm. thing. I fell out of my wheelchair the other day and I cannot tell you how many people wouldn't look at me wouldn't talk to me, walked right by me. How about, Hey, can I offer a hand? I see you have a dog here. Like, can I help you? No, there was none of that. 
But if someone fell off their skateboard, they would have asked if they needed help, right? right. Something happened the other day, took the dog to the, I'm always with the dog, apparently, it sounds like. <laughs> my dog as much as I possibly can be. So I totally right? understand. are <laughs> better than people sometimes. It's yeah, fine. Nothing I have to, see. to be with my dog. <laughs> right, right. So I took him to the dog park and, you know, they have the cutouts in the sidewalk. Yeah. And it, it's because it's um, a, a way that we can get up and down. Everyone parked in front of them. So instead of going just one block down to my condo, I had to go up a block, over a block and down a block again, just to get to my condo because people wanted to not have to walk as far. Here's the thing. You have the ability to walk, use it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And we don't use it enough. Hello. Right. I mean, it's cracks me up when, I mean, people, I watch them circle the parking lot because the parking spot that's not a hundred yards isn't open, but the one that's 200 yards is it's, you know, we do just have to move a little bit more, uh, America. I love that the way that you phrased it is so easy to understand. We all need things to make our lives easier. I mean, I, I live in New York City. If we didn't have elevators, I'd have the tightest ass in the country. You know what I'm saying? So yes. We all really need that stuff. But yeah. why don't we just start to make it all accessible for everybody? Right. And, you know, what happens is old building code and all that stuff, any new construction, anybody, there should not even be a question about it. And the fact of the matter is, it's that it's that turning of the head. Let's let's talk about that, because there may very well be a listener who's done that. There may very well be a listener that doesn't understand their own psyche as to why they're like, oh, I wanted to help, but I didn't know. And I thought I felt uncomfortable to something like that ever happen. Um, you know, I have, I haven't had that experience where I've changed someone's mind. Right. But I have had discussions and I can tell you when I was able-bodied, basically what it is, people are afraid of what they don't know. Right. So uh, you see someone with one leg and a prosthetic. I mean, it's different. It's different looking. They move different. I mean, you, you are told as a child, don't stare. So you do that, but instead of not just staring, you don't even look at the person as a human being. Yeah. Right. So we've gone completely the opposite, which is why I always tell people, and you know, maybe this is changing someone's mind. Um, if their child is staring at me, I'm always like, Hey, do you like my wheels? And I've heard parents go, don't stare, don't stare. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. And then the child will ask a question. Yeah. Why do you have that? And I know the parents are always afraid of my answer. even without knowing me, you know, but my answer is I got a boo-boo. Like I was, I got a boo-boo and that's the only difference between me and an able-bodied person. I got a Mm boo-boo. Just look at me. I'm a human. We can have a conversation, but I just think that the staring has gone to overlooking. They're not there. They don't exist in my world because it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe we need to be a little uncomfortable in the world. Yes, we certainly need to be able to, and I love that you said that. Let's not look away anymore. Let's look straight ahead and let's look into each other's eyes and not be afraid. And you know what? Maybe the first time you do it, you might not get the response you want. Maybe the guy in the wheelchair is having a really shitty day and he doesn't feel like being friendly, but once ain't enough. Right. You got to keep at it. Perfection takes practice. My old, my Olympian, Olympian gold medal friend will tell you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But also, Heather, we learned a lot within the past two years, right? We've learned to ask questions if we don't know, right? So ask me a question. A lot of people, like you said, we do also have bad days. So like everybody give everybody. Yeah. Here's the thing, Heather, here's the bottom line. We all just need to give each other a break. 
Yeah. Right. Everyone's right. dealing with something. Just yeah. give them a break, man. Exactly. And think about it for a second. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what is someone else dealing with now? I just think we need a little tolerance. You know, yes. I would even say to someone, like if, if I said something to someone in a wheelchair and they snapped at me, I would probably, cause I've had a lot of experience now with this working with no barriers. Yeah. I might say, is there anything I can help you with is to make your day better? Are you having a bad day? They may still staff at me, but at least I'll give one more opportunity. And then I'm going to go about my business and I'm not going to be bitter and I'm not going to be closed. I'm right. going to remain open. Right. You know right. what I mean? I'm yes. going to remain open. We're not separate. My girlfriend, Memmy, who you know, remembrance yep. always says to me, I mean, we all are so separate when we're all just broken off from the one. We're all yeah. just trying to get back to the one. We are a network. Yeah. And no matter what you look like, no matter how you roll yes. <laughs> okay, or, or yes. ride through life, yes. um, we're all human beings. And that's yes. the message that you give. So that's the other thing. Like, I love when you said you're so inspirational. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? I know how difficult that is. I hate oh. that that's a microaggression towards someone with a physical challenge by yeah. hearing that all the time, all the time. Words matter. Now, what kind of pressure do you think you're putting on that person? I back myself off all the time. Like, yeah. admit you're maybe that didn't sound right. Yes. Make room for it. Yes. And give people grace to be able to make a mistake because you've made a mistake as well. Right. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that whole inspirational thing that you were talking about because I had made a post about it. And then someone tagged a Paralympian and they were talking about how they were inspirational. And someone was like, How does that make you feel? And I'm like, they are inspirational because yes. they're doing something that you can't do. Right. When I am getting a Chick-fil-A sandwich mm -hmm. and I get my wheelchair out of the car, that's not inspirational because you yourself can get out of a car. So why is that so special that I'm getting out of a car? Right. right. It's so, my life. Exactly. So that's the difference. Like when people tell me I'm inspirational, when I lift a hundred pounds over my head, yeah. you know, and then press it six times, that's inspirational because I can guarantee you and probably, I'm not talking about you, Heather, but you and probably your husband cannot do that. So that would be inspirational. However, when I tie my shoe, different story. So I just wanted to clear that up for people. So. I agree. And also, yes, thank you for saying that. Also, it's inspirational to get the idiots to park to the left of where people with wheelchairs have to go. So all of that work is, you know, the, the work that you've done. So I just want to just to tell everybody that doesn't know. So how Amy shifted her, her life post accident was by doing all the same things that she did before. She's an athlete still, she's a, a spokesperson still, you know, you do anchors, you do events, but you really lean into the world of the people that look like you that are challenged with the things that you're challenged with. And you lean in to make sure that they can get into a parking space, make sure that they can, can, um, you know, get the help that they needed. Your advocacy for disabled communities includes your big on service dogs. Yep. You're passionate about rights for the disabled and um, how that they can get their spaces and that their sidewalks aren't cut out like we talked about. So I don't want to talk about that for you, but yeah. I want to say that what you did is you altered your life to fulfill you as a human being, right. to keep your passions alive as an athlete. Yeah. And fill your heart with work that leans into other people. Yeah. Those are all the same things Amy Van Dyken did before the accident. So what makes you such a better person now? Uh, I give people more grace. Yeah. 
and I'll give you an example because it sticks in my mind and it makes me sick to this day. When I was able-bodied, uh, I was coming out of a store. Don't remember the store. Open the door for this gentleman. And he didn't look at me, didn't bop his head, nothing. Didn't flip me off, right? So I said to him in true Amy fashion, you're welcome, your Royal Highness. Next time I'll roll out the red carpet. Right. Well, then the day of my accident happens, right? And my husband was in a corner rocking and he couldn't talk to anybody. We had two rooms filled with friends and family and he didn't talk to anybody, but he was getting up to go to the restroom and do things, right? Because my surgery was a long time. Yeah. He didn't have the capacity to look at someone, to nod, to thank them, to flip them off for opening a door. So who was I back in the day to say that to someone when I didn't know what they were going through? So I now give people more grace. I understand that everyone is dealing with something. And just because I don't know what it is, doesn't mean that I need to be a jerk to them. Like give everyone a moment. So that's how I've become a better person. I love that story. It's a story of tolerance and understanding. And you're right. We really don't have any idea. Let's not be so quick to anger. You know, let's not be so quick to judge another human. What a lot of the work that I've been doing over the last two years is um, how I feel is not your fault or your business. Like you, you can't control how I feel. So, you you know, a person may do something like the guy totally not even acknowledging your presence when you're opening the door. And so our reaction to that, that is the only thing we can control. So the lesson here is to take that pause for a second. Do you just let him go through the door? Cause did you open the door for him or for you? Correct. Good point. You want to be as a person. So if I really am looking for accolades, I'm probably not doing the favor for the right reason or the good deed. Correct. Right. So we just have to take a little bit of time to manage this in our heads because there's a lot of crap going on right now. We look left, we look right, we look center, we look in our own homes. We're still understanding this, this new normality that's not normal and still not safe feeling. You know, like the world is crumbling internationally in places, countries are war torn. I mean, it's horrible. We're divided politically. We've got all kinds of people going, look at me, look at me, look at me. And we try to look, but then we're afraid to speak. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So the one thing that we can control is ourselves, our reactions, our behaviors, what we put forth in the world every day. And to me, that is your example of grace. And you just gave, I said you had grace at the beginning and you just, you just put periods and explanation points at the end of it for me. (laughs) Thank you, Heather. You're so sweet. You're awesome. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So Please, you guys, tune into the Paralympics. Yeah. Watch what these amazing athletes are doing. Take time to look at, you know, what's happening in front of your storefronts. You know, take time to look in your communities as to what's happening. I was hailed a hero. Everyone was looking at me, wanting a picture, wanting an autograph, wanting a piece of me. And now they want me to go away. That's right. That's very right. weird. Very weird. Very weird. So we, I have to have you back. I mean, I want to talk about, there's so much to talk about from 
the depression side of things, the surgeries that we've had to endure during COVID. I mean, you have experience on so many levels to share with people right back to talking about a whole bunch of other just human issues and ways that we can feed ourselves and nutritionally, mentally, you know, from giving love, receiving love. I just, I could talk to you for 17 hours. So, and I'm going to do that girl. I'm coming to see you. I I love it. I can't wait really need to travel. I'm going to come see everybody. I'm like, I'm coming to see you. I tell everybody because I'm so (laughs) excited to travel. Yeah. Before I let you go, I just want to know, you know, finding our freedom is something to me that shifts every day. You know, my freedom to me, what it means to me one day may mean something the next day. But generally speaking, I try to do things to help keep me feeling free, feeling inspired, feeling open. What are some of the things that you do to help you find your freedoms and remain open? Because you could easily turn into bitterness on a lot of levels from what you've gone through, but you don't, you still shine like, like the beaming sun that you are. Oh, thank you. You know, I wake up every day with an intention. Every single day I have to wake up and look at that wheelchair and know that a lot of my freedoms have been taken away. So what I do is I allow myself to have a moment if I'm going to have a moment. And then I realize that the thing that I thought took my freedom away is giving me freedom. So what gives me freedom is the little things, I guess, that you overlook, right? The wheelchair, not wheelchair bound. I live in a wheelchair because this thing is amazing. It can get me to places. So when I think about my freedom, again, it is something different every day, you know, freedom from pain one one day would be amazing. But how I keep myself open is I let myself have those moments. And I think about why does that make me sad? Why does that make me angry? And it frees up my mind and my spirit to be able to go out in the world and not be a sourpuss. Freedom for me is living life so that my headstone doesn't say she was an ass. <laughs> I love that so much. You are a beautiful, beautiful human being. And I enjoy you really from your head to those hippy toes of yours. Amy, if my listeners don't already follow you, can you tell them where they can follow you and find you? Sure. I am on the tweeter. I am on the Tiki Talks. Uh, I am on the Instagrams and all of them are at Amy Van Dyken because I am not a smart woman, Heather. I got to keep it simple. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think that you are an incredible woman, Amy Dolores Van Dyken Ruin. And I am so happy to have you on my show. I will have you back. Thank you for sharing, you know, some of your knowledge and your wisdom and your experiences with us. I always, always love talking to you. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Thank you so much to my guest, Amy Van Dyken. This is In My Heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along at I am Heather T and send me any questions you might have. Don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcasts and join us next week for another episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.